1: Hey everybody, welcome to Take Off with John Clark and please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast and please subscribe for free and let's bring in one of the best retired NFL players, podcasters there is out there, Eagles legend, Chris Law. How are hey. you doing
2: today? Hey, it's great to see you, man. It's, uh, it's good to see familiar faces. I, I miss uh, a lot of good people up there in Philly, so it's good to see you.
1: Well, I think everybody misses you. I think everybody misses the good times. We see those Super Bowl trophies in your green light studio right there. Yeah. How how do you go about getting one of those? Do they automatically send you a replica every time you win a Super Bowl?
2: Yeah. So, you know, for me, that was never much of a thought uh, when I was in St. Louis. Like, what do we do if we get one of those trophies? Like, does everybody... So, there are dudes um that you 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 go to and you procure a trophy that's personalized uh, depending on the team that you played for now i don't think now I don't know if this is true but i I don't think anybody off the street can just be like, "Hey, I want a super Bowl trophy, and that guy's going to hook you up." Maybe it is um but these are actually my dad's. My dad got two made after I won the Super Bowl for himself in his office, but one day we needed it for the set, and I couldn't find mine. I knew where they were, but I just couldn't get to him, and I just took his. And he came in here to do an interview, and he was like, "Those are my Super Bowl trophies." I'm like, "Well, I uh, were you on the team?" Like, so
1: <laughs> you're borrowing yeah. for a couple of years for your your podcast.
2: Listen, there are two things I take from my dad. I won't take a dollar from him, but I will take uh, his clothes and his Super Bowl trophies. <laughs> oh, so. the clothes fit. Yeah, clothes fit pretty good. He's lean and mean now, so you know. We're about you the same all are.
1: You all <laughs> are. I'm living like skinny jeans. I can't build muscle. I'm jealous of the physique. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: let me ask you this. Would yeah. you rather talk Eagles or would you rather talk Phillies? I see you <laughs> tweeting about the Phillies all the time.
2: Well, the Phillies, man, you know, like this is my first um, season that I've actually followed an MLB team since I was a kid. And, you know, I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying to myself, like there were a lot of teams I could have picked, but if I'm being honest, the thing I love most about pro sports is like the vibe and I miss the Philly vibe. So it would be, it'd be a good chance to take my kids to, you know, Philly's games. I'd never been to one, um, you know, nice people, enthusiastic sports fans, and now a good team. Like, so I love everything about them. They're right in the heat of it. Um, I made a, a big dumb bet that they'd win the NL East when the odds were, you know, like literally it was on the, the tail end of that eight game streak and I jumped out of the gym to put a big bet on the Phillies winning the NLE. So as long as they do that, first year is a, is a big success for me and I'll get my boy uh, to one of these games soon. Maybe both my boys.
1: Nice. So if there's a Phillies player, I said, hey, you want to be like or you would be him or you're most like.
2: You know, I, I just like McCutcheon, man. I've always liked McCutcheon. And so like uh, to see him in Philly – it just feels like a good fit. Like you, you can tell the guys that, uh, that the fans really like, you know, the work ethic, the, the attitude. He seems like a guy that's got that gravitas, you know, for good reason. And uh, I, I admire that guy as an athlete. So if, if I'm buying my kid a jersey, that's the better way to put it. I think probably that's, that'd be the one.
1: Kutch, nice. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly.
1: All right, so you had a fantasy draft. I saw that uh, you said you drafted Quez Watkins. Are you seeing big things out of Quez?
2: I did draft Quez Watkins. I did it. um, I was going to do it as early as like the eighth round just to shake things up because you know, I'm in a few leagues. Uh, I'll admit this isn't one of the leagues that I have like uh, you know, a a terrible punishment riding on or anything like that. But I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if people gave me a bunch of crap for this and he just went off this year? And I think that's what's going to happen. It seems like When you listen to people that are at camp every day and you listen to players, this kid's got it. And he's got it among a really surprisingly pretty good receiving core with the young talent we have. And I'm excited for Jalen Rager this year. I'm a big proponent of just giving kids a chance. You know, like as far as like, it's really hard in the NFL to to play well, period. It's really hard. It's really, really, really hard to play well if it's crazy around you. And last year was just crazy. And the craziest position that you could have been last year was a receiver, a rookie receiver who's trying to justify being picked ahead of Justin Jefferson. So I think that, like, if we stop comparing and we start, you know, saying, like, what can Jalen Rager do for the Eagles? um, I think he's going to help a lot. And I think it's a testament to Quez that they're still talking about him in that group. I mean, think about Fulgham, you know, tough decisions. Uh, That shows you how much better they are this year than last year.
1: Yeah, and Devonte Smith can run some routes. Yep. It is impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm ask you about the Eagles in a second, but I wanted to ask you about the fantasy football because I was actually up at the U.S. Open, and this Philly kid runs into me and he says, "I just ran into one of the New York Giants, and I was asking him if Saquon Barkley's going to be ready, and he said <laughs> he did not think so. So I'm not going to play Saquon Barkley. Give me an idea of when you were playing, especially later in your career. Yeah, prevalent is the questions that come to you guys about fantasy football from the public?
2: Well, I had a great answer, which was that I didn't get it. So if you don't want to answer a question, you just have like three words. I don't get it. And then there's a long silence afterward. And they're like, okay, don't ask the guy about, you know, is Carson going to be ready or is Nick going to be ready? Like usually if I give the not now face, like I can do that nicely. That was me with fantasy football for a long time. Like I didn't care for it. I didn't get it. And uh, a few years later, I'm one of the faces in the crowd. I love it. I'm in like four leagues. (laughs) You know, I used to be a big fantasy basketball guy, which takes every night of your off season. If you're a football player, it was almost like a way to stay busy. We had a great league in St. Louis with all the guys on the team. We rented out like a Ritz Carlton ballroom to do draft. It was a big deal, but basketball is too intense. I mean, like baseball is the most intense. I don't know how those guys and girls do it. Uh, Football, uh, I I can handle that.
1: Yeah, a baseball fantasy league would be like having a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) My favorite line from, uh, I don't know if it was Knocked Up, uh, or my favorite scene from Knocked Up was when they were having the fantasy baseball draft. And she busts in Paul Rudd. I want to watch Spider-Man 2. I I love, I love, you know, just the kind of camaraderie that comes with a fantasy football season. It's great for middle-aged dudes, especially if they have kids. It's a great way to get out of the house.
1: Yeah, they can escape a little bit. So uh, what's your best fantasy team name?
2: Oh, you- man. I mean, I, I think this year um, my name was like Jerry Jones Dry McGriddle because um, he was eating the driest McGriddle I've ever seen on Hard Knocks. I couldn't think of anything else. But my team name, this is like a family program, and I don't want to say it.
1: No, this is not a family program. This oh, is a not? Fun- no, this well,
2: is not It's called... <laughs>
1: uh, great. all right here's the test we're going to see if they edit this out but i love that um one other question about fantasy football i remember malcolm jenkins having a press conference one time and literally in the middle of the press conference he's scrolling on his phone he says hold on one second i have to draft somebody in my fantasy draft
2: oh so he this, did that.
1: this is like during the you know the, the practice day some
2: people are into it some players are into it like you know the dbs i'm pretty sure were into it I saw like a few guys that would be setting their lineups and I'm like, this is weird guys. Like we're playing these people. Like I don't care how they do. I just want them to lose to us. You're telling me I have to pay attention to what's going on around the league. No, no, thank you.
1: Yeah. So like if, if you had a quarterback, if you were actually playing right now and you had a quarterback and you got to go sack them them down, I mean, that's a little weird. No,
2: that is a little weird, but honestly it was, like I said, I never thought about it because I was always setting my lineup for basketball on Sundays, like late in the season, which is the weirdest thing I'd be in my locker setting my lineup, but yeah, my quarterback is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's my favorite quarterback in the league. Probably. Uh, he's my, one of my favorite players in the league. Like now I get to be a fan. So I just pick kind of my favorite players, the smartest picks I can. And, uh, I love having Herbert, um, under center.
1: Do you, uh, do you place any phone calls to friends in the league to get Intel about who used to draft?
2: I really don't. You know, I probably should. That's a great point. I probably should, but I don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I got a great producer here. I've got a couple producers who, uh, and also James Coe, who I don't know if you heard of James Coe, but I did the Amazon show with him the last two years, and he was a fantasy specialist. He also does, like, next-gen stats. He's a guy that I hit up a little bit, but people in the league – Nah, because I know kind of what that sounds like to get proposition. Like, how's that guy on your team doing? Like, if you get asked a question like that, you think, okay, somebody's gambling or somebody's doing fantasy. And I'm not really interested in either.
1: (laughs) So in your fantasy leagues, where was Jalen Hurts drafted? And do you think that that is kind of the thing out there? Everybody just doesn't know what Jalen can be. And what do you think he will be?
2: Yeah, I didn't draft Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is drafted later in most drafts. I mean, like, I don't really understand the quarterback thing. I kind of look at everybody else to see when they start drafting quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts um, has to have the right pieces around him at this point, at this juncture. I'm not saying that in two, three years he can't be – he can't just light it up with no help. But um, you've got to build around him. They're doing that at wide receiver. You have to have a nice scheme uh, like any young quarterback. I, you know, I think some sometimes people don't understand, like, There are only a couple young quarterbacks who can create. And by create, I mean, like, you can throw the script out. You know, these people are going to make making checks at the line of scrimmage. They're going to be, you know, extending plays. Um, They're going to be throwing people open. Um, Jalen has some improving to do, like any quarterback in his second year. But I think he gives them an amazing jolt of leadership. I think he gives them an amazing uh, kind of example for the other guys. You can tell he goes about things the right way. And I've been very impressed with him as a pro. The quarterback stuff, that's anybody's guess this year. I mean, I don't know what the offense is going to look like when it's applied on Sunday. I don't know what the receivers are going to look like because a lot of them I haven't really seen play at the pro level, right? Um, I don't know what the protection is going to look like, and I'm not taking a shot at the protection, but there has been changes. Um, I'm really excited to see Lane Johnson get back, the best right tackle in football, you know, Um, and he looks healthy. You know, it's good to see Brooks back, Um, you know, Kelsey's back for another year. But there there is some some influx up front. So, like I said, you know, we could be looking at a thing in uh, in 10 weeks and we just didn't have enough help around him. Or we could be saying he's better than we thought we did. Um, I hate to give you a non-answer, but young quarterbacks. I don't like predicting too much how it's going to look year two. Year two is tricky. It's going to be tricky for Justin Herbert. Is going to be tricky for all these quarterbacks. It's going to be tricky for Joe Burrow coming off an injury.
1: Yeah, speaking for uh, speaking of guys that are around him, Zach Ertz. A lot of people thought that he would be traded. He obviously mm-hmm. wanted a new contract, uh, didn't get it, and then it looked like maybe it was best for him to go somewhere else to maybe get another contract. But the Eagles didn't get anything of value back in return, so he is with the Eagles and yeah. he's a former Super Bowl teammate. He's he looked great in training yeah. camp. Um, how tough is it because Zach says he was able to uh, through prayer and through discussions with Julie Ertz kind of put all that aside. How difficult is it to put aside the business of football?
2: Ooh, it's very difficult. And uh, you know, when, when the business side rears this ugly head as, as athletes, I think oftentimes we're expected to kind of, you know, take the high road and, you know, front offices can tell you how they feel about you every single day. You know, like they cut people, they fire people, they demote people, they throw people under the bus in press conferences. I'm not talking about Philly. I'm just talking about the dynamic when it comes to players and, and upstairs. And I think Zach, with all that he's done in the city and for the city, um, definitely deserved a, an opportunity to um, express himself. And so I think you know he's done that gracefully. I think he's done it in a classy way. It's ugly when you won a Super Bowl somewhere and you don't love the situation. Um and you want a new deal? Uh, these are things that go on all over the place. Uh, it just so happens that Zach has like made a really, you know, important imprint on the city and on Philadelphia football and won a Super Bowl here. So it's hard to to kind of differentiate or you know draw a line in the sand between you know the good feeling stuff like the legacy stuff and the business. But my man is now what? How old is he? Thirty? Thirty one? Thirty
1: two? Right around there, yeah.
2: Yeah. So he's getting up there. And when you get up there in the NFL, uh, if you're lucky, you play three, four years, if you want to, from that point, five years, I don't know how long Zach wants to play. You could do it, but the situation has to be right. And, you know, players do take pride in their production. And, um, I'm really glad though, that Zach seems to have found a little peace with it. And, uh, I think he's a, he's an awesome piece of the, you know, Philadelphia football history and, and he's a good dude. And I think he's going to He's thirty years old. He's going to help a lot in Philly over the next five six years if he wants to do that because he can play another five six years.
1: Now, now you were just told by somebody that he's thirty. Did you have a, did you have a fact checker?
2: Yeah, I got a producer. Yeah, big no, time yeah, over here. Those. Yeah, you got to get some, dude. You get the That's background. Awesome. Your background looks like you have producers, but you're telling me it's like a it's like a one man show there.
1: I just didn't have time to Google
2: it as quickly
1: as <laughs> the guy over there was able to get you that info. He's nice old,
2: was- 30, 30s. Th- you know, and when you get up there, organizations start to look for ways to get rid of you, even if you're productive, because their job is to bet on your demise before it happens. And um, you know that's what you got to deal with in the NFL. And so players have to stick up for themselves and ask for things. But I'm glad it worked out.
1: All right, how about this Eagles defense and the defensive line? And some people are saying this might be the most talented defense they've had since your Super Bowl team. Uh, tell us about the defensive line when you have Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat,
2: yeah,
1: Arnett, and Fletcher Cox, a motivated Fletcher Cox, and then Javon Hargrave now is not hurt, and also he's a little more comfortable with the system now after coming from Pittsburgh's system.
2: Yeah. It might be more talented than the group we had. I mean, you know, shoot, you're looking at Josh Sweat and Chris Long. Who's more talented out of that out of that duo? I mean, like, if that's your kind of, you know, odd man out rusher, um, you already have an upside that we didn't have, you know, in a lot of ways. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, you know, they're two guys who are older, but Brandon's still been incredibly productive. It's like the longer he's been in the league, the more productive he's been. And Fletcher's going to come off that injury and be on a tear. I know he's incredibly motivated. Um, Great player. Hargrave, um, I know he has stuff he wants to prove. And I think Derek Barnett gets overlooked a lot, man. You know, Derek Barnett has made some huge plays over the last few years. And he's as hardworking, as dependable, and as as loved and respected by his teammates as anybody. I think sometimes, you know, being picked in the first round, you know, I went through it. You know, I got picked even higher than him. Uh, albeit not in Philly where the the lamp is as hot. But, um, you know, people can kind of not take you for what you are. Um, You know, where Derek was drafted, I think he's had some solid production. And he also affects the game in a lot of ways that people don't see. And so you you got a guy like that, and then you got a guy like Josh Sweat, who I think is going to do double digits if he's healthy and used correctly. Um, There's nobody as talented as Josh Sweat on that D-line. If he weren't injured he'd be a top five pick. You know, um, I haven't seen more than a handful of guys get off the rock like that or, you know, kind of bend the corner the way he does, the way he's able to dip and damn near touch. You know, Robert Quinn is the, is actually, he's the closest thing to Robert Quinn that I've seen from a talent standpoint that I've played with. And, um, you know, that's rare ability. So if they can put it all together and they do have questions at the second level and that sort of thing, but that's nothing new. Um, he, he, they're going to be able to set the tone for this defense because they're going to have, there's going to be adjustments. I mean, there's young players on offense. So you have to, as a defense, step up and say, Hey, this is going to be our team. You know, like with all the flash and the young players and Jalen hurts and Devontae Smith, they're all, they're, they're going to be great, hopefully. But in the meantime, we have to like, we have to cut people's air off, you know, like we have to be that kind of defense and they'll have that mentality.
1: I'm going to ask you in a few minutes about uh, a tremendous opportunity for Eagles fans here in Philadelphia to raise some great money with your tailgate. Uh, how about Jordan Mailata, the story that he is? You were yeah. there when he drafted. drafted. Yeah. When he came in, uh, I mean, I don't even know if you were in the equipment room. Guys said he really didn't even know how to put on a football helmet or his pads, and now he's a starting left tackle. Can you, can you take us through his journey from what you saw and, and
2: yeah. against him? Yeah. I'll never forget when I first heard his name, I was, uh, I just got done camping and I was at a diner and, uh, I just got out of the woods. They had done the draft. I didn't see anything. And I was watching TV and on the TV, they showed this kid from like the other side of the world who looked like Andre the giant. And now I was going to be having to go against him in practice. Like I was like, Oh my God, are you serious? Like like really, I got to practice against this guy, and I'm learning about it now. This is how I learn. So I get to camp. I don't know what to expect. I'm thinking he's just this big, mean, like you know, New Zealand Australian guy. Like you know, they're they're all tough. He's the nicest kid in the world, and he works his butt off, and he's coachable, um, and he's not afraid to make mistakes. I think that was one of the biggest things. Is like you've got one of the best coaches in football in your position room, and Stout. Um, you've got some of the best vets in football in your position room, Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks. Like this is a tremendously soft landing spot. The only thing that doesn't suck. The only thing that kind of sucks about is is you've never played football and he's kind of taken it and he's been like a sponge and his set has changed. I know he's been working hard at it and this is going to be the crossroads for him where like, listen, you've got a great opportunity. Look how far you've come, but you can't squander it. Um, and I think he has all the ability to do it and he's got the best coach, uh, that you could have now that scars out of the league up in new England. And I think he's going to be fine. I think the biggest thing is, you know, timing with that offense Can you get the ball out, you know, can, can, can Jalen be, can Jalen do some of the things that Carson didn't do so well, especially towards the end when he was pressing, you know, don't, don't put the O-line in bad situations, you know, drifting to 12 yards. Don't, don't tap the, don't pat the ball three, four times. Don't, don't hang your tackle out to dry. I'm not saying Carson did that on purpose, but you know, towards the end, that stuff started to happen more. Jalen's got to run this offense um, with that side of the offensive line in mind, because you can be that tackle's friend, and that tackle can be your friend, or you can do it the opposite way, and uh, it's going to be a symbiotic relationship that they got to work out.
1: All right, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your Super Bowl run and Carson and Nick and all that in a second. But first, tell Philadelphia about a tremendous opportunity coming up here in early October. You're going to be coming yep. back. Here. Uh, you've got a special tailgate uh, yep. that is that is help raise money. And it's going to be a fun time. Tell everybody about it.
2: Yeah, October 3rd. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting my first Eagles game as a retired dude. Um, Navy Yard, it's the Legends tailgate party. Uh, it's Sunday, uh, the day of the game. We're obviously going to be throwing down bright and early. Uh, and we're playing the Chiefs. So my brother's on the Chiefs. And there's going to be food, uh, actually food trucks, which I love. There's no, if there's only anything better than food, it's food trucks. It's, tr- it's food in trucks. Uh, we're going to have those. We're going to have drinks, music. Uh, and I'm going to be recording an episode of the pod you mentioned, Green Light, live at the event. So it's 9 to noon. We got Brent Selick in the building, LeGarrette Blunt. There's a couple guys. Uh, and They'll be on stage there's gonna be a bunch of guys that are showing up to uh, kind of cycling in and out. So we'll have guys from that Super Bowl team guys from different eras. Um, and all proceeds will go to my foundation, uh, and it's work to provide clean water to communities in need. So uh, on top of that, you guys know about water boys, we haven't left uh, Philly, I think, you know, people know me for water boys, we saw that whole thing, like when we won man of the year, or whatever, but like, Philly's important. Education's important. We're doing that in Philly. We're doing stuff in New England, St. Louis, and a lot of the proceeds are going to go towards supporting Philadelphia youth. So it's not just water. It's also supporting people right at home. And you might be supporting people at at home too, through our water efforts because we started hometown H2O where we're putting in wells all over the country and helping people at home. We just did a well in rural Virginia recently, the last couple of weeks and a little bit more background. We've helped 400,000 people, 430,000 people get clean water to date. Um, so we're excited about it. We started water for her as well. He saw Mina Kimes and Colleen Wolf hiking uh, this past, past weekend to raise awareness for what we're doing. And we're not going to stop in Philly. Uh, Education is important as well. So that'll all be what's on the docket there, October 3rd. Uh, let's throw down. I will be uh, having a good time. I will be partying with you guys and doing a, a green light right there in the uh, in the parking lot.
1: Now, that, that is cool. Let me ask you this. Are you starting as early that day as some of the Eagles tailgaters who line up in York like 4 a.m.?
2: I don't know about 4 a.m., but, you know, 7.45 if my alarm goes up. Because I'm going to go hard Saturday night. I'm, I'm going out with my buddies. We're going to go get some dinner. And you know what dinner turns into when you got old teammates. So I need to pencil in like six hours of uh, sleep maybe, and then I'll, I'll be in the parking lot about eight 8.30 in the morning with a cold one. And you can go to waterboys.org, by the way uh slash events for tickets and more information
1: waterboys.org
2: waterboys however y'all want to say it too this is great i love it we should Water actually Boys. we we should waterboys i'm okay. going to say it like that when i come whenever i'm um home in philly
1: so all right. so just to let you know it is w a t e r not w o o d yeah
2: but maybe we should think about that <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll put it on the screen cuz in philly you know, I've got the accent water.
2: <laughs>
1: so so give me an idea of the Super Bowl parade. Uh your level of uh having a buzz. Yeah. Compared, yeah. You know, when you're younger, senior week, whatever, a concert, uh hanging with Pearl Jam. The yeah. Patriot parade, Eagles Parade. What was the Eagles parade? Your level of uh tipsiness.
2: <laughs> well, tipsy is is not being drunk. I was drunk at the Eagles. Right, i, I so, wanted to
1: say it not me put it out yeah
2: i was drunk i mean we were all i mean you know i, I don't know about three sheets to the win maybe two sheets to the win maybe a sheet to the win um yeah less drunk than tom brady was uh but <laughs> but i was i was i was pretty uh i had a good time i had such a good time that when we rolled up to the steps and we were drinking casamigos which is the clune it's it's george clooney vodka so it's got superpowers oh he, uh, he sold that for after- in right he sold it yeah he's he's it, as if he wasn't successful and rich enough um but we we were hammering that stuff and then we got to the steps and i was sitting there with lane and lane was like or somebody came up to me in lane i'll never remember who it was and was like do y'all want to talk and we we're like we're talking right now you know like, he's like no up on the steps um and you know you kind of move towards the front and when you see all those people It hits you that, like, oh, we may well embarrass ourselves right now. And I don't remember five minutes ago what's going on up here. So, yeah, maybe one or two sheets of the win, but not three. I actually ended up in the back of a police car. One of the very nice police officers that was working the event uh, decided that it would be nice of him to give me and my lovely wife a ride home. Uh, And that was the happiest. Like, people in Philly said, this is the one day everybody was just like, together it was like there was nobody arguing it was a few fights but i just amazing and the next one that happens i'll be there in the crowd uh and i can't wait for that
1: you're coming for the next super bowl parade here
2: damn right i'm being the crowd i'm being there with the people about a third of the way up that had the funny signs uh you know after you go under the overpass and you go on that long broad street run it's like the older buildings and stuff that was my favorite stretch like kind of a third of the way in
1: how incredible was it because I was actually on the float with you for a little bit, but float. yes, I'll bring that up in a second, but uh, <laughs> okay. So leaving the link and going to the art museum, somebody described it to me as it was like a fourth and one to win the NFC title, the roar the whole way. Have you ever really experienced anything quite like that?
2: Well, I just got chills. It's, um, it's like 75 degrees in my office, but I got chills just thinking about it. Um, You know, it was loud as hell in New England, too. And they did a great job with their parade. I mean, boy, they got practice. So, I mean, both parades were very cool. And there was just, when it opened up around Fairmount there, I think it was, um, and just kind of went from, like, tight streets to, like, my God, like the entire city, you're right. It was, you know, you got to work so hard to be prepared during a game. Where you can make a play that everybody stands up. Like, that's literally why you play the game. Like, this is why I played the game. Like, so on Sunday, I could do something and make 60,000. Like, that's, that's incredible. That's why you're a pro athlete. We were drinking tequila. You know, that is the best part about being a champion to me is that day. I mean, um, and yes, it was like a perpetual roll, roar of like the, um, the Julio Jones drop in the end zone in, 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 you know, I think it was the divisional round uh, or the flea flicker from, from, uh, from Nick Foles to Torrey Smith or the P Rob interception, all that. Well,
1: well, 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 give yourself some credit. P Rob interception. I
2: like to be, I I like to be classy about that, but I definitely cost it. (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) But, but, but like, seriously, the thing about it is, you make a great point. You work your you work your ass off all year to maybe get one of those moments. And the multiplying factor of being a champion is you get that for three hours. I mean, and you never forget it.
1: It was wild. Was there one moment or somebody saying something to you that will resonate with you forever? Like somebody in Philadelphia or something, how much it meant to them and the joy that you and your teammates brought them?
2: Well, first, there was a lot of people that came up and just expressed how long they've been waiting and they say thank you and i'd always say thank you because like that's literally when i talk about the super bowl i talk about the parade the fans that's what differentiated for me was the context and you know a lot of that context is based on the fans and the city and how long they waited so yeah i mean like just the multitude of people that came up but i'll just never forget teammates you know like i'll never forget you know, hugs that we got after game, after we won the Super Bowl, they're like, you know, kind of in the locker room when people are starting to disperse a little bit, they're playing queen, they're playing we are the champions and guys are running around to each other's lockers and you'll get just tackled by somebody, a big bear hug. Like that was, and it, as close as you still are with those guys in any function we go to, will all be tight like 50 years down the road. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to is like going back to an Eagles game and being old and being on like midfield and getting that ovation with Nate Gary and just like random guys that we played with guys like Timmy Jernigan, you know, like bonds that were really tight. And then we all went our separate ways, but that's, but that's what made those moments really special is like, you'll never get them back. It is truly once in a lifetime or twice if you're lucky um, but, but I just remember the teammates, the, that bond. And as far as we go away, we're still champions. And then when we get back together, we're champions again, like in a big way. And that's why I'm excited to go back to the Eagles game. Cause like, there is a certain buzz about, Hey, we did this and we get to walk around and be those guys. It's cool.
1: It is cool. And by the way, when you come back October 3rd for the tailgate to benefit water boys, um, you know, the night before, I mean, you're probably never gonna have to pay for anything in this
2: again right i i want to pay for stuff man i want to pay for stuff in philly philly is uh it's 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 an awesome place so i, I could never if anybody ever tries to be like no you got that we're pay whether i'm paying or i'm tipping your server we're gonna pay
1: so, so I, I had the pleasure of interviewing you guys on one of those floats and by yeah. sickahama in studio is tossing to me uh, and i'm on the float and i'm about to interview you guys now this was taped so i don't know if you know this but it never aired. Um, but. You said, me being the reporter, that I had to take a pull of that Crown
2: Royal. Oh, you did take a pull. Yeah. Right. And this yeah. was before COVID where, you know, you could just, you know, pass a bottle of liquor around. Um, no more. I, I, um, I just remember you interviewing me and Timmy. Yes. And I was like, damn, did we just get the words out? Like, how did we? <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome. And I keep mentioning Timmy. Timmy was on the, my float or I was on Timmy's float and we were just like, if there was one guy that I love to have a great time with when, you know, it was was Timmy Jernigan and uh, we had a really fun float. Vinny was on there, Bo, you know, obviously Fletch, the whole D line.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, Tim Jernigan kept showing his grills.
2: He kept showing his grills. He kept showing his grills. So uh, yeah, I'll never forget it. Uh, You know, bits and pieces of it. Yes. But it was awesome.
1: Now the reason why that didn't air and they may edit this out is because they said it's not really appropriate for me to do a shot. But here's what I say, uh, as an NBC reporter, if a Super Bowl champion at a Super Bowl parade, the first yeah. one in the history of Philadelphia, says you need to take a pull, uh, am I gonna say no? I have to turn that down?
2: No, I don't think I don't. I think that footage should air. I think it should. I'm giving you permission. I want to talk to your boss. I don't know why we're not celebrating that. You know what I mean? Like, I, this, is, this is real, like, in-the-field journalism. Hey, you, know? you have
1: to feel and experience what everybody else is experiencing, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. you gotta really, you got to really empathize with what the guys on the float are going through.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: So let me ask you about that era because uh, I talked to somebody uh, on the team. I won't say who. But he said, OK, they win the Super Bowl. Nick Foles, Super Bowl champion. Uh, and Carson wants to come back next year and was pushing himself. And then he got hurt with his back. Nick yeah. Foles. And he said, it's not as if we disliked Carson. We liked yeah. Carson. But Carson didn't open himself up to the entire team and didn't really take the time to connect with everybody. Whereas Nick Foles that next year, it was it was just so much more relaxed. Everything was cool. Definitely, How difficult yeah. was that having Carson Wentz, who, who was having an MVP year, gets hurt, but Nick wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, and Nick, Nick maybe ran the offense better and maybe related better.
2: With yeah. Him. Well, I think number one, like Carson's a great talent. Like we all know that. I mean, he's had the highs that even Nick, Nick in his record-breaking year in Philly, he just can't touch that MVP year. That MVP year was like the team was firing on all cylinders and, you know, if Carson stayed healthy, I do believe we win the Super Bowl. um, either way, but Nick with what he was able to do in the circumstance that he was able to do it in, like that shadow is huge, you know, like it could have been Carson, but it wasn't. And it was Nick and that complicated things. And everybody knows that, but not it didn't complicate things in the, in the locker room so much, honestly, like we wanted to see Carson come back and, and play great. You know, it was once Carson got hurt again and I didn't think that they handled, you know, his injury perfectly the first time around. I'm not saying anybody really dropped the ball, but sometimes you got to protect a player from being his own worst enemy. And Carson is incredibly driven to be back on the field and to, and to go out there and he's not going to slide. He's not going to go down. He's not, you know, like, and at a point, you have to take that out of a guy's hands. And so the injuries compounded. Um, I never had an issue with Carson. Like I, I, like, I wasn't looking for a friendship with my quarterback. Maybe that's the difference between me and some guys. Um, I certainly see that he's less of a reach-out guy than Nick. Nick is rare. Nick, is, Nick has rare leadership. Like, Nick has rare make you feel things – like, make you feel that things are okay – even though they're not good right now, ability. Um, And that's what you want in a quarterback. But I honestly, it turned out neither guy was the answer. You know, like um, now maybe Nick was the answer if he stayed, but I haven't, I have a, you know, a a feeling that eventually that magic runs out maybe. Um, And Carson eventually just played his way out of the starting job. And, you know, I had no issue with, and it got to be one of these things where I was like Carson's biggest proponent, but only because so many people were Carson's biggest enemy, you know, like it's not like I'm obsessed with the guy really like the kid, but people were just taking pot shots. And there were also like very untrue things that were being said about him. And I'm not a big fan of like unnamed sources and that sort of thing. So I kind of was, I felt like it was my job as somebody who was in the media to tell the truth about him, which is that he's not a bad guy um, because it became a good guy, bad guy conversation the nuance with which that you just posed that question was missing for you know the better part of two years. And I felt bad eventually for Carson because I thought that uh, it was almost insurmountable. But he didn't help himself. He didn't play well. Um, he pressed. He seemed like he he felt like he had the answers on the field, which a lot of great competitors do. And I think the reset button's good for him. I think it's good for the city. I think it's good for the Eagles. Um, and hopefully they can turn over a new leaf. But on the record... I've never had an issue with Carson. Now, maybe my issue is that I was never looking to go out to eat with my quarterback. You know, um, all I care about the quarterback is, is he tough? Does he care about his teammates? And can he execute? And I thought those things were true about Carson. The, the second one, does he care about his teammates? I don't think he did a good enough job of showing that at times, but he certainly wasn't a bad guy.
1: When, when a guy, you know, behind the scenes wants to leave Philly – yeah. Uh, was that was that disappointing that, you know, maybe, OK, he saw the way it was when he gets benched. Jalen comes in. The younger guys were obviously really a- attracting themselves to to Jalen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen pulled them in. Um, is it disappointing that Carson wanted out from Philly?
2: Not for me. I mean, I can't make people's decisions for them. And maybe everybody isn't as obsessed with Philly as I am. Like, you know, for Carson, he might have just really respected Philly. Um, but maybe he wasn't, you know, for him, like, you know, Carson, I know Carson, what do you think is the better cultural fit for him? Indianapolis or Philly? Yeah, there's no doubt. Let's be real. It'd be like a Philly guy who grew up in Philly going and playing in, I don't know, the middle of Indiana somewhere, you know, it's so there's, there's some differences and not every player has to be able to stand tall in one of the toughest media markets in the country. Like not everybody is capable of that. Um, you would like to see more resolve. Um, but once he was benched, I mean, like we're done here. You know what I mean? Like, and I think part of it is the Ben Simmons thing. Like right now, like people are angry as hell at Ben, ben Simmons. There's a dumpster going down the, the Schuylkill river and people are like, oh, it's Ben Simmons leaving Philly. And then when Ben's like, "I don't want to be there," people are like, "What the hell's your problem?" Like fans everywhere do this. Um, you just have to pick, do you want him out? Do you hate him or do you want him to stay?" And Carson, I think, the city had chewed him up and spit him out, and he did that himself with his play. but at that point, it's time to go, right? You know um, I didn't think there was like really a you know a way to to rectify the situation. so I'm never shocked when somebody wants to take advantage of the mobility that they have. And go somewhere else. And I thought that there were a lot of, like, you know, um, Greeny, Mike Greenberg. He posted something like just ridiculous one day, the Washington game. Carson wasn't dressed because they didn't dress him. uh, And people are taking pot shots at him about that. Like he decided not to put his uniform on. Like that was the ridiculousness that we were dealing with. And I want a championship with Carson wins, So I just don't like anybody, even if I never spend a second hanging out with Carson off the field. Me and him might have two things in common, but if I think somebody's not a bad guy, like a truly a bad guy, because we play with a lot of bad guys and they didn't get the treatment that Carson got, but heavy is the head that wears the crown quarterback. And, you know, hopefully a fresh start for him. Uh, But we all won that championship together. So I like to, you know, if anybody's like taking shots at guys that I play with on that team, I I don't like to pile on.
1: Obviously Philly, Boston, New York, hardcore, cold winter towns and people express themselves as yeah, fans. they um, should, yeah. Joel Embiid relating to the Ben Simmons situation of Ben reportedly asking to be traded or be moved somewhere else. Joel said that he also went through a really tough time with the fans and yeah. that, uh, that fans have to be better. Um, do you think it takes a really special type of player or person to be able to succeed in a hardcore sports town, passionate sports town like Philly?
2: I mean, I don't think I'm that special. I, f- I felt like it went okay for me. I think some some of it is you just got to, like, Joel's is ex- so much expected of, like, a star Philly athlete. So I don't know how I would have done when I was a star in the middle of my career. I don't want to say a star, but, like, in the the town I played in where I was, like, one of the the best players on the team. Like, I don't know how I would have handled that in Philly, but I think I would have loved it. You know, I I think because I've seen the other thing, where nobody's, I'm not saying in St. Louis, they don't watch your games. I'm talking about like nobody sees it on TV. Like nobody, like it's not a market where we're going to have a bunch of primetime games. Like for years of my career, it was like, hey, noon game, hey, noon game, hey, noon game. You know, like there was never primetime. There was never an opportunity to like show what we could do in front of 65,000 people because the organization was, was bad and we, we weren't winning. So I'm not blaming the fans, but like when you get to a place like Philly, I just felt like they adopted me, man. And like, I was like, oh, this is the NFL. And the sick joke about it is like, I'm in year 10. So I never got to really experience something like that in my entire life. And I was like, well, I'm at least I'm gonna make the the best of it. But to to answer your question, I don't think the fans need to be. I think fans in general can be better. I'm talking about any city, like any city that you play in. Fans can be more reasonable. They never will at large, you know, (laughs) like, I love fans. I appreciate them, but it can get hot in the kitchen and sometimes fans can be loud and wrong. But in the case of Ben Simmons, like not being able to get it done, you know, a lot is expected of you and uh, you weren't able to, to get the job done. And that's what happens. So I don't agree with Joel as far as like Philly's concerned, because you don't know how lucky you are. And I'm not saying this to, to Joel. So don't put this in quotes and put me on the internet, but like players don't know how lucky they are. I think to be in a place like Philly, like I would have, if I could have kept playing a long time there, I would have played till the wheels fell off, but (laughs) there was just nothing left for me to do there.
1: (laughs) So, so where's your dog mask now?
2: My dog mask it's in my office. Um, it's pretty special. Uh, it's like the most special piece of plastic I own or rubber or whatever that thing is. But, uh, Man, when we did that, I never thought a, an, a, like an Amazon purchase would take off like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty damn funny to see people still rock them. And I'm pretty proud of that. And the thing that me and Lane are most proud of is the dog is on the inside of the Super Bowl ring. So when we're all gone and they're digging up, you know, archaeologists are digging up that, that Super Bowl ring, there's going to be a little dog on the inside of it. And people are gonna like, what the hell is that about? Well, it was just two dudes that were trying to keep it light. And eventually, like, it kind of turned into a thing. And by the end of the, the playoffs, it wasn't a joke anymore at all. Like, it was – we were we were that. So, yeah.
1: You, you hit a spot with Philly with that.
2: <laughs> we, we know the buttons to push.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> so, so, when people are now tailgating, yeah. you still, the Delta variant out there is a dog mask, an acceptable mask. Well, there.
2: I'd have to ask a doctor. I mean, it depends on who you are if you listen to doctors and scientists, but I, I, uh, I would have to ask a doctor. I'd probably put the, the N95 under there, and then I'd have the mask. But I definitely have a place in my mask that I could actually, like, accept a beer bong. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be an opening in the mask that you can bong a beer.
1: Absolutely. Uh, any chance the dog mask comes with you back on October 3rd?
2: I'd be too afraid to lose it. Um, it's so special to me i had a julian edelman replica mask that i wore uh for that super bowl in um in in new england at the parade and i lost it uh which can tell you maybe i was three sheets there i don't want to lose this mask this mask is worth a lot to me so so
1: where's the edelman mask
2: the edelman mask somebody out there in in maybe a guy in braintree has it maybe a Somebody who was sweeping the streets found like a porcelain mask of Julian Edelman in pieces and just threw it in a trash can. One of the biggest mysteries for me, uh, where is that mask? But I'm not bringing the dog mask. I don't want to lose it.
1: I'm sure social media could uh, solve that Edelman mask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> how about this right now? If you're still in a locker room, speaking of Carson Wentz out, Al- yeah.
2: um, he's,
1: he's, it looks like not vaccinated, of course. He, yeah,
2: it, it looks that way, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, He says it's a personal decision, but, you know, the Colts general manager, Chris Ballard, said there's consequences uh, to that decision. How would you feel if you're on a team and and most of the team is vaccinated? Maybe the Colts aren't. The Colts are one of the teams that aren't uh, don't have a lot of vaccinated guys. But, you know, it affects how you live, Um, you know, in baseball right now. Uh, If they don't have 85% vaccination with the team, they can't have family at the team hotels. They can't eat dinner together on the road. They have to kind of live the way they did during COVID and stay in their hotels. How do you think that that locker room feels or what you would feel about Carson, the the quarterback, the guy not being vaccinated, and he could miss some time during the season because of it?
2: Yeah, I don't know how it is in each locker room as far as like how many guys are begrudgingly taking it. Like, oh, we got to do this, that sort of thing. So I don't know that any of these players are being like ostracized, like socially. Um, I think a lot of the times the the internet and people at home are more upset with these guys than maybe some of their teammates. But they're going to be upset with these guys when they start missing games, and they're going to be upset with these guys when when the, the protocols start getting in the way of what they're trying to do. And I think when you talk about a personal decision, and I'm not preaching, you just ask me a question, right? Because everybody here, some people are rolling their eyes. And uh, I want you guys to know when you read this quote, like usually there's a question ahead of it. I didn't just come on here to talk about the pandemic, but it's not a personal decision. I mean, like it is, it's a personal decision in a way, but like the decision is for other people, um, you know, in general, football, um, football, notwithstanding, you know, on that level it is, but I didn't get the vaccine. Cause I'm worried about this thing killing me. Like, could it happen? Sure. I guess. But You know, like I'm not worried about COVID and myself. I'm doing it for other people. So whenever I hear a guy say it's a personal decision, no offense. It just doesn't sound like you thought that through to its logical end. And that's all I'm saying. Like, if you want to say like, I'm afraid of the vaccine, I'm afraid or I'm this or I'm that, like, I I don't want to go through with it or I don't feel like I need it. Say that, but personal decision, it's not because the, the entire point of the vaccine is to help other people. It's like to join as a team sports and, and beat this thing. Um, but it's not a personal decision.
1: And, and I remember when Malcolm Jenkins was protesting, uh, you were one of the first guys there to join him and, and support him. Um, how did that, play out in the locker room was everything okay was everybody okay with everything that happened uh, with that situation
2: well I think it was fine and had I said it was a personal decision uh, it would have been true because me putting my hand on Malcolm's shoulder isn't going to kill your uncle or your grandmother so like I, I think that played out just fine like we we never I think more people than anything like even guys who maybe had some thinking to do about everything. We're like, Oh, that seems cool. That seems like a digestible way to protest for the things that Malcolm and Chris are trying to bring to light. And I, you know, like when I thought about doing that, like I initially I was like, Oh, I'll raise a fist with Malc, but you know, I didn't want to be white guy with a fist in the air. The jokes would just, the jokes would just roll off the tongue. Um, I thought I don't want to steal Malcolm's thunder. I want to support him. Um, Cause that's kind of my place on that team. You know, I want to support guys that didn't look like me and we dealing with things that I don't deal with on a regular basis. And so I thought that was the best way to do it. You know, the reviews in the locker room were fine, but I really didn't care. You know, um, I really just felt like in the wake of everything happening in my hometown and in the country and still happening in the country. Uh, I thought like, I would feel like a coward if I didn't say like, Hey, I'm, I'm with you. Um, now, having said that, that, that whole thing birthed a really great relationship because I, me and Malcolm were not tight before that. We really weren't, we didn't dislike each other. We just didn't hang out. Like, you know, Malcolm's quiet. Um, he's a DB, he's on the other end of the locker room. So like, it was really cool that we did it. Like I gave him a heads up that morning at breakfast, um, at Novacare, And I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about, you know, helping you out tonight. If you, if you could use it. And, uh, he was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and from there, we became close friends. And you know, when I get to phone with Malcolm now, I tell him I love him, and he tells me he loves me. I mean, that's that's a that's not just a teammate. That's that's a brother. And like, we may not always agree on everything. Like, there have been you know minutia that we regularly disagree on in that arena. Um, and there'd be ways about going about things that we disagree on. But he knows my heart, and uh, I know his. And 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 he's done a lot of great work in the space. And Philly was extremely lucky to have a guy like Malcolm off the field, especially.
1: And that's what makes sports great.
2: Yeah. yeah. People it,
1: together, and then yeah. you looking about other people and supporting each other and being there for everybody.
2: And, and more than anything, you have to have actionable items. I mean, like, fans don't want to hear anymore things are messed up. You know, the fans that know things are messed up, they already know. Fans that don't think things are messed up, why? But you got to have, like, they're messed up, and this is what we're going to do. And I think Malcolm's done a really good job of like using his platform to interface with legislation or people who can affect legislation. Um, He's done a good job of like lending his platform socially. Um, He's done a good job of helping people hand to hand. He's also done a good job of educating himself. Like Malcolm knows more about this stuff than almost anybody I know. And he really does put the sweat equity into it. So I just respect him. And that's why I was like, I wouldn't have done that some, you know, with somebody that I didn't respect, you know, because I had seen it close up. We weren't tight, but I respected him. And then we got close and we're really thankful that we were able to get together on that.
1: Well, I'll tell you, you're a big part of history here in Philadelphia, the first Super Bowl ever. Uh, we really appreciate the time you spent here with us. And uh, one more time, October 3rd,
2: October uh, 3rd, big yeah. time tailgate. Uh, yeah.
1: That's going to be, Fun. people can kind of relive all those memories with you and come out there and help support a great cause with Waterboys.
2: I'm pretty excited so check us out uh, at waterboys.org that's with the A uh, slash events for tickets and more information and again LeGarrette Blunt, Brent Selleck a whole bunch of other dudes who are going to be drinking Pilsners with y'all Miller Lights in the uh, in the parking lot, myself included, Green Light Pod too, so show up, hang out, we'll have a good time. Nice,
1: alright they can relive uh, the Super Super Bowl memories, and it's going to be a heck of a party today. I'm sure the uh, the link will be popping that day after that tailgate.
2: Man, I can't wait.